2: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love.
0: Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldMansaid.com. Joining me... Oh, there's so many ways you could phrase this. <laughs> Where we are now, back in the day, it would just be an episode dancing on the grave of the tune, but I think this, there's a bigger picture at play here. Anyway, joining me to discuss this, Mr. Phil Shaw. Hello. And we've replaced Chris Budd with Mr. Dan Rogers. It's like the old days. The old days are back when Villa were good and when this podcast had Mr. Rogers sitting (laughs) in a comfortable leather seat with a cigar dangling out of his mouth.
3: Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How much changes in a month? everything. We've evolved into a new beast. A beast that just cast your minds back to an away defeat at Fulham just a mere matter of months ago and compared... Well, Newcastle 4-0. Shall we start there? Yeah. Indeed. Um Villa
0: Park, obviously you were there with me and as, as I said before the show, before we started recording, there, w- there was two two moments of realisation in that game. The first was from the Newcastle fans after about 15 to 20 minutes where they thought, shit, this is a different Villa team. <laughs> They're <This laughs> <ocean's>. shit! <laughs> as we were just pinging it around the back, playing it out the back without any hassles, uh, laughing at their attempt at a press. And the hilarious attempt at a manager. And then the next... Oh, you hate how? I forgot about that. There's a subplot. <laughs> uh,
3: the mid there's no subplot He's shit <laughs> anybody who, who's got a good
0: memory will will uh, see a potential subplot in this show uh with dan's i prefer the term vendetta vendetta <laughs> against <laughs> eddie howe but uh, the, the second moment of realization was i think villa fans at the fifth 55, 60th minute, early second half, when they realized that, uh, oh, I hope missing our first half chances doesn't come back to bite us. That cliche was actually completely redundant uh, in this modern age of Aston Villa.
3: An emotion we're not, a use, not used to. We just create chances
0: like they're going out of fashion. We don't. If we miss one, we're going to get one uh, within minutes, uh, as, uh, as Ali Watkins uh, proved. We just absolutely pulverized them. It was uh, ridiculous. I mean, there's got to be some Villa fans at a certain age going to that game against Newcastle and walking away again. I've never seen us play that well, as good oh, as that. Well, this is a that.
3: generational shift. Yeah. I mean, this—I mean, we haven't won five in a row since 98, but we haven't played in that manner in a generation. No. And 3-0. I mean, that, that could have been 6-7 easily. Yeah. would have been fair. It was only out of common courtesy that Watkins didn't score a double hat trick. It was just politeness. <laughs>
0: But I, I saw uh, Alex, who does uh, this uh, Villa analysis co- column, which just basically looks at some of the stats that sprung from the game, and our expected goals was one point eight. I put oh. in brackets, like, really? How? I mean, oh, no. not, not referring to him, I was referring to the, the, the stat boffins. That should be an expected goals like seven or eight, surely. Yeah, just save,
4: keep that for later. Keep the
0: powder dry on that one. I've got, <laughs> I'm have got. I warming up for that. Anyway, welcome to the show. Coming up in the show, obviously, we're going to... Well, normally, we say dissect what went wrong, but uh, in this autopsy, we're, we're mainly picking at the corpse of the Geordies. What went wrong for Eddie Howe, David? <laughs> <laughs> well, he met a juggernaut called uh, Mr. Emery. Before we get into that game, though, we'll get into the villain news and the three points while ending the show with a bit of media muppetry and serenading you with uh, Emery's clipboard after uh, we didn't uh, get it in the last show. How are you, anyway, Mr. Rogers, before we uh, move on? just in case anybody out there really wants to know.
3: I'm very well and I, I, I can't complain. I mean, uh, as I say, a lot happens in a month and not long after the, the last show, I, I you know, I went off and I saw England rugby's greatest ever defeated, Twickenham. So just to set the tone for for, for that. Um, and this afternoon, I basically spent the afternoon swaggering around, around the National Trust because Villa are the greatest football team in the world again. <laughs> what do you mean swanning around the National Trust? A nice little afternoon out in the sunshine, basking in the glorious rise of Aston Villa.
0: Oh, I I started to notice people wearing Aston Villa shirts around Birmingham.
3: (laughs) That's... I was going to bring this up.
0: Basically, it used to be the only time you would see a Villa shirt essentially in that time it takes to travel to villa and then the time to go back home <laughs> absolutely right now people were like just pulling up nonchalantly to the off-license or a bakery getting out of their cars and they're wearing a villa shirt people walking their kids or dogs
3: and wearing a villa shirt on a sunday afternoon i was in the arse end of nowhere in derbyshire today and i saw a person in a villa shirt confidently walking about <laughs> like, that's totally normal chest, <laughs> chest pushed out yep yeah. Yeah, they did have Lee Hendry's name on the back of it, but so I won't (laughs) judge them on that.
0: I think we might become the new Manchester United very soon. There are always downsides to being good. (laughs) I'll, I'll take a bit of being good just for now. Yeah. right, let's start with uh, some news, shall we? Shall we talk about the uh, Orient Express dropping its British leg because of border control or uh, the Villa news? I think maybe we should delve into this Orient Express because that's how I was planning to go on Villa's European tour.
3: I was booking as a uh, a cabin, uh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I was holding out for the overnight sleeper to (laughs) Rotterdam. (laughs) With my smoking jacket and travelling at high, well, slow speed, arguably I'll, I'll on the Orient Express. How we used to follow the villa back in the
0: days of old, in the, in the 19th century. <laughs> football specials have changed somewhat. But alas, not. But uh, is it something to do with Brexit by any chance? If it is, then uh, let's get into the villa news. Yeah, let's... <laughs> Right, uh, same injury position, really, as the last couple of shows. Kamara out, Cash out, Coutinho out, Bailey hamstring. It's all as you were, and they've surely got to do a, like a, at least a week or two of training, so they should start popping up in the next week or so, I, I would uh, imagine. Maybe this week, even, uh, you should see some of them uh, uh, in the Bodymore training pitches. Bailey was actually in the Bodymore training pitches before the Newcastle game, which turned out to be a bit of a red herring got a feeling yeah. though ju- judging by uh, some of the stuff going around on social media that diego carlos might be joining the injured ranks again after uh, falling through a window in uh <laughs> alex Moreno's twitch He's a bit of a gamer twitch stream which seemed to have the cartel all there <laughs>
4: I was, I was yeah. all. <laughs> the villa cartel i like it
0: yeah there was uh, martinez there moreno obviously it's his pad i would say uh, douglas louise and uh, diego carlos and a couple of other hanger-ons but what was the translation that you were telling me about that was pretty funny with uh in terms of martinez
3: well i don't know if it's been picked up by many people but there's it's quite a long stream and there's a lot of content for those who can be bothered to go and view it but there's a good good translation of the point at which diego carlos is falling through a window to uh, to, to much uh, to much rapture that that D- Douglas Luiz is basically saying that the stream comments are suggesting that Villa's Premier goalkeeper and World Cup winner is a cocksucker. But that's, that's <laughs> 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 these, these, I don't know. These, Online hate is we deplore yeah. it.
4: Wasn't Mbappe by any chance?
0: <laughs> yeah, it probably was Mbappe. These South American uh, stroke <laughs> or
3: French in his case uh, haters terrible. It's another level. I just find it remarkable. They're all sitting there in a in a completely nerdy gaming setup. It's just it's it's contradictory to their uber cool footballing status. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it?
4: I beg the differ, Dan. But
3: anyway, <laughs> <hang> on <laughs> sorry, Phil. <laughs>
0: uh, moving on, uh, as you well know, Villa Park has been confirmed as part of the uh, 2028 UK and Ireland Euros bid. This was always a key part, and you could say expected part. In the North Stand redevelopment grand plan, because if you are, if your stadium is part of basically a a national government level initiative, then if you want the uh, platform on the train uh, station expanding, it will happen. If you want Wittenbridge painted after 20 years of trying, 20 years? Yeah, sorry, 100, (laughs) 120. (laughs) Beaching cuts. Then it will probably happen because it's part of uh, the bigger picture. And all the bureaucrats at Network Rail, etc., will have to tell you the line. So this was a big part of, let's say, greasing the wheel or the cogs of. I mean, the, no
3: trains are <laughs> run on the track. But that's by the by.
0: Of uh, greasing the wheel of the whole redevelopment. So that was the the final part of the uh, let's say the bureaucratic infrastructure ticked off, so it should be full steam ahead. But we should have a fan consultation meeting soon to find out actually what the update is. Uh, Meanwhile, under-21s beat Derby 3-0 to remain in the Premier League 2 playoff They're currently in fourth place, three points ahead of the team they've ransacked at youth level, West Brom, although West Brom do have two games in hand. Southampton top, they're recognised as one of the best uh, academy setups in the land. Villa really bad at home, I think we identified uh, last time. Anyway, the Villa w- women's team had their day in the sun live on BBC when they played the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea. But probably be kicking themselves after yep. they got beat 1-0. They certainly had more chances, legitimate chances, than Chelsea had and
4: perhaps should have equalised by the uh, the time the final whistle went. Yeah, they were they were unlucky. I mean, there were lots of chances. they hitting the post later on as well. And they, they, they didn't really force the Chelsea keeper in their decent save. All the shots were either just wide of the post or straight at them. Yeah. So yeah, while
0: you could say uh, they were unlucky, you've, you've got to work the keeper bottom line. But going forward, it, as I said, they had a three-year plan to finish fifth. They're pretty much nailed that one ahead of schedule and uh, the bonus of finishing in the semi-finals and, and running top, you know, they beat Manchester City, who beat Chelsea uh, a few weeks ago. So they they are starting to mix it with the top four. And the top four actually, you know, they they know it's a tough game. You don't really want, if you're in a cup competition, you don't, if you want in the top four, you don't really want to draw Villa. So add a couple, two or three more players to the mix and uh, next season could be very interesting because they've got a chance of cracking the uh, the top four. Right on to the three points. Point number one, the Premier League, Clubs voted to end front-of-shirt gambling sponsorship. The Premier League are doing a lot of work at the moment of basically laying the track before the train of the fan-led review, turning into government legislation. We've seen it with uh, fan consultation groups. They've made an official setup called Fan Advisory Boards now. But this is another thing they wanted. They knew the government are going to phase out uh, front-of-shirt gambling, so they've actually made a point of uh, voting on this to uh, sort it out themselves so basically to put across the uh, illusion that they are governing themselves uh, correctly because they they really don't want a independent regulator to come in
4: no because they might take away sleeve sponsors and gambling around the ground as well if (laughs) if the Premier league take off the shirts and sneak the others in Mm.
0: yeah so the vote was 18 out of the 20 clubs voted to phase out gambling by the end of 2025-26 season. We don't know who the two abstentions were. This is a thing that Villa were high-fiving themselves about a little bit, was their kazoo deal ran out this season, so they had time to do a cash grab, basically, on a, on a gambling company, the last chance you would have because gambling companies knew their time was up in terms of front of shirts. So they were, throwing, mm. they were throwing a bit more money than usual at it. So Villa managed to take advantage of that.
3: And isn't there the suggestion that Villa's final sponsorship deal expires the day before the new proposed rules come in? It's a question you can ask at the next fan consultation. Sorry, say that again. So there's the suggestion that Villa's final betting-related spon- sponsorship deal that wouldn't be eligible expires on the final day before the new rules come in?
0: Well, no, because they're doing like a phase-out. It's like, if, if you've already got it in play, then uh, it will run out when it runs out. So I think this is more... Uh... I think they probably looked at the maximum and Villas would probably have the longest to serve, obviously, because it's a fresh one. And so I, don't, I can't remember if it's two or three years, the, uh, the Villa one. I
3: believe it. I believe it all aligns very nicely.
0: Well, it has to. I mean, th- they can't renege on existing contracts, can they? So that's why they've got mm-hmm. it in there now, took the money and say, right, this is our contract. It runs to X. So if you're bringing in bands, they're always going to f- take into account existing contracts. They can't cut contracts short halfway through. I mean, that's never going to run. So there's no real lining up. It is as it is. I wonder
3: where I wonder where football will go from here, because they need something lower than gambling, doesn't it? Well,
0: you know, the Villa's shirt sponsor was twice as much as the, uh, the best non-gambling one. So that shows you why they've taken it. I mean, personally, by uh, nature, would prefer to not have one. And, you know, he said that to us in the past. That's why we as a consultation group, were a bit pissed off when suddenly, you know, you saw the news and you thought, well, hang on a minute, this goes against everything they've said. But then they had the meeting and, you know, it was just to basically break it down. Well, somebody's often offering you twice as much money. And, you know, Frontier shirt gambling is going to be banned. And, you know, Villa voted for this as well. Villa support the banning. There's the irony. But money talks. He's also a businessman, isn't he? So, uh, and it's not as if, I mean, gambling is omnipresent in football, so it's not as if oh, it's everywhere, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not as if it's like a decision based on virtue because it's happening anyway. So it's like one last cash grab, and off they go. Plus,
3: I guess with with Vegas villains on the horizon, we we maybe need a betting arm.
0: Right, anyway, let's not dwell on this. Uh, point number two, Sadio Mane has uh, received a record, is it record playing fine in football history by punching his uh, teammate, he should play for Newcastle, uh, Mane, <laughs> his teammate Lloyd Roy Sane, <laughs> after Bayern's 3-0 first leg Champions League defeat to Manchester City, the fine is reportedly to be uh, half a million euros,
4: isn't it? Yeah, just about 442,000 quid. So, what was the previous uh, record fine? Well, there's a few examples. The previous record was tied with um, Harry Kane and Carlos Tevez. They both got four hundred thousand, but the way it was structured was, oh, we got a two week, fa- two weeks' wages fine, things like that. So, what, what were that? What were their fines for? Um, Harry Kane for trying to force a move to Man City, uh, <laughs> Tevez.
0: <laughs> and Tevez. I like
4: that. Yeah, and Tevez, whenever he refused to come on for a sub as Man City as well, it seems to be a, a sort of a Man City st- theme running through this because another ones... You know, clubs mm. have like fine lists. I
0: remember, uh, I think I published one of Villas uh, that kind of got exposed uh, a few years back. That'd be great. Like on your fine list, like, you know, the usual things, turning up late, not cleaning your boots, blah, blah, blah. Top <laughs> of the list, trying to force a move to Manchester City. That should be the top of... Aston Villa's finalist. Right, point number three, uh, and our favourite, we've been waiting for this one. UK makes itself out to be the best, you know, the most hardest fans and, you know, the football culture. It's the greatest league and our fans are like, uh, you know, it's the terraces, it's terrace anarchy, blah, blah, blah. We're we're so far behind that. Now you got this news from Belgium fans. Rival fans bombarding each other with painted dead rats in the belgian derby <laughs> painted dead rats were thrown at standard liege fans by a rival who are they charlois fans according to a statement from their fan group supporters claim that around 10 dead rats which were painted red were launched into home sections Charleroi supporters were also spotted in mock pest control outfits with masks on with messages <laughs> before the match calling their rival fans rats Liège went on to win three one. This is the football culture that's long dead in the UK,
3: for better or worse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there's anything, there's ample amount of around the streets of Aston is 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 dead rats. So that I, mean, I mean, Blue, load your cannons. <laughs> oh, we should we should have had magpies. I mean, they're they're unlucky, and we should have had a whole <laughs> bag full of magpies just ready to launch. Oh, we've missed a trick. Yeah, wrapped up in bed sheets we're light years behind the progression in in europe this is, this is one of many another thing we've lost through brexit
4: <laughs> yeah
0: we're lagging behind pyro and dead rats we we never see that in the premier league it's uh, we just have to, we just get bombarded with betting ads that's our uh, <laughs> our legacy right let's get into uh this game shall we As I said, there was two levels of realisation. Maybe there was a third level of realisation when uh, we saw the team sheet and Emery had Little twist, Mr. Dendonka, big daddy Donker, back in the limelight as he started. Uh, I believe it was his birthday as well. Uh, in one of the deep positions alongside Louise, which uh, pushed up McGinn. Emery likes, when he's playing, let's say the more capable teams, prefers to have McGinn and Ramsey as his wider midfielders, doesn't he? he doesn't want to, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously he mm-hmm. couldn't use Bailey, but doesn't want to play Traore or Bailey like what you would say more of an out-and-out winger. He likes to have a bit more steel, shall we say, uh, physicality in that midfielder. So that's why uh, one of the reasons he put Dendonker in there. Dendonker, played very well. Dendonker, excellent game, I thought. Dendonker. Look at his, his passing accuracy, 97.1. Yeah, the best of any player. Belgian golden generation. Doesn't take wow. risks, does he? No, he doesn't. Keeps it smooth and really helps that back line when when they're playing out but you'd have noticed the last two games at villa park the crowd are we're we're all relaxed now aren't we nobody's kind of shitting their pants getting squeaky bums in the holes it's unnerving not to be unnerved it's weird isn't it (laughs) because nobody's moaning bitching or anything they're just letting them get on with it it's amazing how quickly that I, i was expecting that transition to take you know months the trust it's, it's, the, it's the leap it's, of faith and the trust is has it started with that Forest game fr- from then on in I think mm. it was because of those back to back away wins when you go back to Villa Park and we were playing Forest after those two away trips we had ascended to another level especially you know when you take Chelsea out and it's like yep there's the keys to Villa Mr Emery you know you want to play out the
3: back do it I think it's the the things that just seem to destabilise us before that you lose a Kamara and Dendonka slots in whereas before we'd have fallen apart um and and I just he hasn't been there that long and you look at the quality of the performances of players like McGinn Watkins Buendia, and they're unrecognizable to when Gerard was at Gerard was at, at Villa Park you know 6 months ago and Dean Smith I'm, I'll throw I'm yeah, going to yeah, yeah, throw yeah. him in there a, a, an unrecognizable style of play
0: we would say on the podcast uh, frequently I would always use the word upside I said you look through that Villa team and pretty much every player has got tangible, quantifiable upside, especially the amount of money you've paid for them. Buendia, there was so much more to come from him. Danny Ings even. I mean, we we cashed in Mm -hmm. on him. He had a lot more to come from. We saw... Ollie Watkins hit fourteen goals in his first season, and you saw, you know, how many like two or three VAR decisions. He hit the woodwork a good three or four times, so you knew there was an upside of a twenty-goal a season striker there in the Premier League. McGinn, it was make or break time for McGinn, and I was in the camp. I I see the merits of McGinn, and I'd always have it. I think I said to quite exactly that I'd always have him in the squad, even if we're in the Champions League, I would have him on the bench. 'Cause I think he comes off the bench, he offers you something. But what you want from him is consistency and he will help your team. And the two managers before couldn't get couldn't get that out of him. Ramsey, I mean, he's still work in progress. So, you know, upside there as well. So he had all this potential that if you could line them all up and there and Mings as well, consistency, plenty of upside there. And suddenly we've we've actually started to realize this upside in all the players and Emery's got it out and uh, as i as i said to you dan uh, earlier on before we recorded you watch that game against newcastle which we'll talk about in a second and you think this is this is professional football this is how it is and you start to think Mm. have i got a fraud claim here to make against this (laughs) club (laughs) there's been there's been so much fraudulent activity managers masquerading as like elite managers players phoning in performances and getting paid ridiculous amounts of money you missold professional football (laughs) (laughs) and you watch this and you go this is what I this is what I expect you buy your ticket you buy your season ticket you expect people getting paid hundreds of thousands a week to play at a certain level and that game against Newcastle was the first time you know they're Pinging it into each other into midfield really fast, controlling it, laying it off, making you know great balls. You get this. I'm watching football for fuck's sake. This is a, this is a revelation. <laughs> and I you're think thinking I could sue it, this. I could sue <laughs> this club. I, legitimately. I, I could sue the league. You could, t- you know, go into court and you go right evidence. This is uh, Aston Villa versus Newcastle at St James's Park. Exhibit. I was I was paying money for this. Look, that's not football. Under the Trades Description Act, that
3: is not football. Now look at the contrast to this game—completely different sport, almost. Well, we went even in this season. We went weeks without shooting. It felt like you know. I know I've referenced the the Fulham (laughs) game, but but I mean, was it was it the Forest game away where Ashley Young just scored out of anger? was it that game he just thundered the ball in and that was all that happened that I can recall We go back to Sherwood Lambert Mm. where we're having games with zero shots on target well and that's why the Newcastle game was you know so many people are walking away saying it's the best game that they've seen or in many years I think that anyone with a legacy knowledge of Villa you know we we would often joke about it on here that that people's they had false deities didn't they they had players who we wouldn't even you know they weren't fit to lace the boots of half the, the top players but we've also watched enough football amongst us to know that why weren't Villa able to mount any sort of progress over such a long period of time charlatan fraudsters (laughs) Yeah, a a long line of them a long line of them but we've got a you know and there's there's much still to do but you can you can see and you can and i'm not one to retweet managerial post-match press conferences but it is a pleasure to listen to emory because i think the passion and the effort is is, is there for all to see really. And, well, and, and the proof is in the results. It's not just words. Yeah. Villa, have, Villa have improved dramatically in, in what is a relatively short space of time. I mean, I, I can think of countless managers who, the one who sticks in my mind is, is Martin O'Neill when he came to the club saying that football fans want to be entertained. And it's always stuck in my head because though I think there were flaws in the man, he, I th- always thought we tried to play in a way that was that was entertaining. And it's, it's the drift from that and, You know, I'm sure we we want to get on to talking about the key moments in the game itself.
0: Before we do, one last question.
3: How much should we we sue Villa for? (laughs) I mean, let's say the last 10 years. I'll sue them for the percentage increase that they'll apply to the season tickets this year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah this is the problem we can't say it out too loud uh
0: that we actually really enjoyed you can't win can you nowadays in the modern game because
3: if you say oh that no. was
0: fantastic suddenly it's up 20 percent next next year
3: i'll take 20 percent now
4: they've
0: <laughs> <laughs> got to factor that in uh, if they do even entertain the idea of right raising prices people have been paying good money for fraudulent activities at villa park so uh bear that in mind right let's get into this game I think
4: the first 30 seconds set the tone did it not yeah it was like we've used the boxing analogy before that was Villa throwing a throwing a haymaker at Newcastle there and I was like right, who's this who are we playing against you're expecting it to be cautious and then to feel each
0: other out but it's was like uh, uh, there's not going to be any of that today we're just going to go for the throat here's a question happened against Forest it, I mean it's happened a few times this season and in my memory didn't used to happen frequently. Villa would always attack the hole in the second half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But are we? Are is it us that are actually saying, "Oh, we'll, we'll attack it in the first half"? Because statistically, we have—I think—we've scored more than any other team in the first fifteen minutes. So that leads me to think that when the teams get flipped around after that coin toss, and obviously the Villa fans are booing the opposition because they think they've done it, are Villa actually doing it?
3: This is a very very good question. Um I I mean all, all it comes down to for me is that we are coming onto the pitch with such a, an an energy inside us that you know if I, I risk of repeating ourselves. How many how many how many games of football have we sat there thinking what have, has, has there has been any motivation injected into these players? And it seems to work that the, the the atmosphere and the Um, You know, almost the whole team trying to suck the ball into the net, it feels like.
0: Villa have scored 11 goals in the first 15 minutes this season, the most of any team. I mean, most of them were against Brentford. (laughs) (laughs) And United. Yeah, and United. But yeah, it, it made me wonder when I when I heard that stat, I thought, well maybe it's uh are we're we're deciding tactically to go for it to set the tone. Why why have the advantage in the second half when you think that actually you might need it to get back in the game when you can
3: actually go for the throat you know from the half. But why why can't it be in the first half? I I've it's a funny one, isn't it? We don't need to be sentimental. It's one of those things that we just have to, I think we, we just put it down as a, I don't know, an unexpected, a welcome change, whatever you want to call it. It's, um, it's. I mean, within within one minute we're, we're hitting the post and it, the whole energy and the whole tone of the game is set from that point, isn't it? Yeah,
0: I yeah. mean, the crowd were, we're straight into it and I think overall the crowd Firing was... Firing dead magpies towards Eddie <laughs> Hay. <laughs> I think the crowd was probably the best atmosphere of, of this season, certainly, and, that, and they stayed in it all
4: the way through. Yeah, because when you're watching on the broadcast at home, usually the, the broadcasters are sneaky and put the, their microphones at the away fans section so that it sounds like a, that kind of atmosphere because away fans are usually louder. Yeah. No, nah, made no difference at all this time. The noise was it, it came through loud and clear. Yeah. Phil has scored 11
0: minutes, but... It it been coming. We just felt it been coming. I mean, okay, you can have a shot in the first thirty seconds. Doesn't really necessarily uh, mean that's the direction of the game. It's too early. But within you know eleven minutes, you thought. I, I remember I thinking it in the fifteen minute mark. I'm thinking those Newcastle fans, they would have had a shock already. They'd be like,
3: oh, uh, who, it had the feeling that who, who is, is this th- team? Boxing analogies are coming thick and fast. It would have been an early stoppage, I think, because yeah. it, it was obvious what was going to happen.
0: You know, the last few fixtures, Leicester haven't won in eight, Forest hadn't won in nine by the time we finish with them. And I was always intrigued to see how the better teams, the teams in the top four, deal with our way of playing at the back. And Newcastle... I've got a, a press and, you know, they are, they are they are quite physical. They always leave the, they let you know you're there, basically. And what was your impressions earlier on, Phil, uh, in terms of how we were handling that and h- how they were failing to actually stop it? Because we seem to be pretty proficient. And as as we just said, the crowd weren't getting edgy about whatever Newcastle were trying to do to stop us. It, you know, we were we, we seemed pretty relaxed. And the players seem to be very astute under pressure now. They they play it out and they're, they're not... They're not shitting themselves when they're under pressure.
4: No, they definitely aren't. And what I would say is, I mean, we've said, we've lauded Newcastle for signing Kieran Trippier, how good a player he's been in this season and everything else. He hadn't played against Alex Moreno, obviously, at all in his career before because that was a performance from Moreno against Trippier that's enough to make Trippier unemployed. It was that bad. I mean, he just demolished him. He, <laughs> I, it's horrible what he did to him. But we'll we'll to get onto that later. But in terms of how we were playing out the back and... Yeah but that, that, that's the thing when you're playing it out from the back and you have Moreno who you don't know what he's going to do because he's equally as, as adept at putting it back inside and then going on a run himself or actually keeping the ball and you know weaving his way through a couple of Newcastle players so that's an active threat so immediately the, the Newcastle players they don't press in the same way it's the the playing out from the back if you have an outlet like that and like I said Villa's attack all goes down the left hand side
0: Yeah, and, and, and pretty much it starts from the left hand side and goes all the way down, doesn't it? It's yeah. You know, we're joking uh, at half time. Like when you f- face out from the halts, I'm slightly on, let's say, the right hand side. So. Villa are attacking down the left hand side towards you and, and you're saying, well, actually we get better value sitting this side of the hole than the other side because uh, Villa don't even bother with the right coming down the right hand side. It's all down the left. I mean that's where your area of improvement of this team is if we go into the summer into the transfer window and get a similar right back to uh, morena. And maybe right hand side midfielder, and, he, and he's starting to look at you know a team that can attack down both flanks in the way we have been doing is, is quite a scary proposition. But as I mean Ramsey has he, he switched M- M- McGinn?
4: Yeah, what they did in this game was they put McGinn on Burn over in the right hand side, so he was physically able to stand up to Burn because as you say, Burn big lad throwing his foot in, you know, trying to be physical and throw players about. McGinn just had him he just knew exactly what to do with him and it was from McGinn's cross that the, the goal came
0: Yeah but Buendia who had a frustrating game against Forrest he was at the heart of anything and, and sometimes it's not what he actually does on the ball it's where he's running he, he causes confusion just with his runs which helps make a little bit more space for Watkins and also Ramsey uh, coming through and I thought his improvement on how you know how he was impacting the game was day and night over what he was doing against Forest and played a big part in what Villa did to Newcastle.
3: Yeah, Buenderas is, is unpredictable to the opposition in much the same way that that Moreno is, um, and I think that we Villa have been so predictable for so long that you've got a player who it frees up it frees up players like Watkins because if you're trying to work out to close, you know is a danger player, but it's not obvious how he hurts you and how he how he impacts you and his movement, his ability to take quick one-twos. Well, Buendia and
0: Marino together, I mean, once that relationship... Uh, I mean, against Forrest, they were, you know, they you saw roots of what was happening, but they weren't quite on the same frequency... Mm. But against uh, Newcastle, it almost seemed against Forest they were playing more as a duo. Against uh, Newcastle, it was there was more people involved. Ramsey was, uh, you know, linking up. Also, Watkins was a bit more uh, intricate to what they were doing. But it, as you say, that unpredictability means that it's it was another level to what uh, how Villa used to play. Yeah. It, it, even Andre O'Neill used to have struggled to break teams down at home because they were quite functional in what they were doing. That They flourished away because on the counter they had a lot of pace in the team. But this team can break down low blocks or two banks of four, parking the bus, whatever you want to call it, because they've got the
3: cartel, basically the schemers. (laughs) (laughs) But we play in a very—I mean, I've just—and as you've just said, I think we do—we play in an unpredictable, more unpredictable way. We don't play in a—in my interpretation of Villa in the modern era, we're unrecognisable lately. But we do in a more predictable way. We—we have a know—this is our benefit of watching Villa week in week out, when with and without the ball, we have a clear shape and a clear game plan. And I think that that's well. It that's all starts right from playing it against... out the
0: back. That's why we're oh, doing yeah. it. We're moving around the opposition from the back. It's Wh- not like which... you're just lumping it up to no. them and and they can just sit out their stall to defend it. We
4: are moving you around as we as we slowly come forward. Yeah, it's playing it out from the back with purpose, isn't it? Because yeah. previous managers have said to play it out from the back, but basically that just means they pass it about at the back until Mings has to send it. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, no, exactly that. And that meeting at Bodymore where we met Emery's coaches and uh, one of them said, look, just be patient because the whole idea of playing it at the back is to create beautiful things going forward. He said, it's it's the whole, the two are completely connected and you
3: think, well, okay, we'll sit, see how this goes. You know, we, we saw that the early pain of that where, I mean, the one that sticks in my mind was, was losing the, the cup gain at United where that, we sort of self destructed a little bit early on in that, you know, it's learning. And, but you, you now see, as I say, just to go back to my earlier point, that I think it, you know, when we're working through the thirds of the pitch in different phases, it comes together in such a cohesive way when it works that you, that there's a change of speed only... straight away, isn't there? In yeah, the change it's change of tempo. And it's difficult to articulate it really because it's, it's what you see before your eyes. But the, the way that we move is in, in a, in a way that you think, kind of like we are joking earlier about the fraud of you the fraud of Villa to date is why haven't we always been doing this and and it is about oh, yeah. having personnel but it is also about playing to the game plan and we saw in some of the earlier videos that again we probably referred to jokingly at the time of the early training sessions under under Emery, Emery at, at Bodimore everything seemed geared towards getting Watkins a chance and we saw against Newcastle that I mean, did he have six opportunities? Obviously, the disallowed goal, and they were all fantastically. They were created. You know, some of those shots he got off with a lot to do yeah, himself. Yeah,
0: five five shots, four on target.
3: Yeah, and but they were they weren't chance opportunities. They they were crafted, and I think even to the Moreno cutback for Ramsey, where he you know he thrashes it against the bar. They didn't. They're not lucky, fortuitous they worked there and, and it plays like Buendere and, and McGinn being more advanced and Ramsey coming back into proper form and no coincidence for me that one where Ramsey hit the bar I mean I can only put that down to his you know
4: he was the adrenaline was pumping he was flying they were mm. the, all the players were, were so on it because absolutely and any other time that goes in I mean I don't know how what is XG I would guess that is 0.99 XG <laughs> that one if you're going to go in
3: there <laughs> but I think it extends the to defense too if you were to say to me a Mings and Cons are going to be the partnership they're far more composed I don't know whether it's again the style of play and becoming more comfortable and accustomed to it and actually seeing that the method works you know
0: Yeah the interesting thing is it's basically Smith's players still I mean you've got Dendonka who was a Gerard signing coming in for an injured Gerard signing and then Moreno is the only Emery and everybody else is from the Smith days and I haven't seen I mean, Smith didn't get a tune out of them and his way of play, because he was always prophesizing, playing out the back, playing out the back, playing out the back. But we never saw anything as constructive as this. As we said, a lot of passing it around and then giving it back to Mings out of desperation and then, then a hump up. Or, you know, we've seen being pressed so far back into our six-yard box. but Martinez is kicking it out for a, you know, passing it out for a corner to the opposition. This is a complete different philosophy, which I want to know what the difference is. Because it's the same personnel. I think Moreno is a big, big part of it. Because I remember the ball going out to the left-hand side, and it would be stuck. You know, we would get stuck a little bit out there. I think our left-hand side's been okay. You know, even from like you know Matt Target onwards, it's
3: okay once it gets over the halfway line. But it's always been a bit dodgy playing out the back. I think the thing about the left side is that we we. It was my feeling that we upgraded with Luca Dean. And well, that's then what it there was a sort of
0: box. Yeah, yeah
3: for sure. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not sentimental towards Dean at all, but I think now that you've seen Marino bed in, you see the real. I mean, this is a guy who, without a single cap for Spain, has one. You know, has an outstanding assist record in La Liga, and I get it.
0: When you see him, you think, how the hell is he not in the Spanish team? They must be really good in terms yeah. of left backs.
3: It makes no sense. <laughs>
0: Right, as I said, when he got to the 60th minute, he thought, "Actually, we are bossing this game. There's, there's no switch around game of two halves happening here. This is Villa's game for the taking. Where, you know, can we please score quickly?" And uh, Watkins uh, doubled the league, but then it was chalked off.
3: Is that was, offside? Am I there, there
0: again? I've seen it once in replay. I mean, wh- how was it on TV? What was the uh, the verdict?
4: Phil. Nobody knew. It was one of those ones that it looked offside at the angle that um, the coverage stopped it at. But then when you watched it sort of in real time and you played it back with frames, it was too hard to tell. It just it all came down to wherever the VAR official drew the line on the Newcastle player because Watkins's knee was was out there. You could see Watkins's knee, but it was were on the arm of the shoulder, wherever the Newcastle player drew it. In the stadium, it's like this is a late call, as they always
0: are. I mean. I still don't get it why that VAR decision, you know, like like the offside flag normally would come up and you see it at the, you know, people are celebrating, but you see at the corner of your eye, the offside flags up, you know, half the fans do. And so it's not like you haven't shot your load in your celebration. In this case, you'd expect a VAR decision to come up straight away. You know, as soon as they turn around to celebrate, it should be up on that screen VAR decision or within at least a few seconds not when they're at the halfway line about to kick off again as as always it always happens i don't i don't get it why it isn't fast enough if you haven't got the technology to make it fast enough to like flag it then uh, don't use it because it's not that obvious if it's obvious then that should be flagged straight away shouldn't it yeah but anyway, the good thing about how we were this game was panning out was we were creating chances willy nilly, and so we didn't have to wait long. Three three minutes later, Watkins got to do his fuck you, <laughs> and uh, scored. <laughs> and then within less than twenty minutes later, he got his second as well. And when that second one went in, you thought we've got to get a third now.
4: <laughs> yeah, it just felt there was more goals in it. I mean, when, the, when Watkins scored his legitimate second goal, and I saw that Newcastle took off Burnham and brought on Matt Target, I was thinking to myself, that's, that's not really damage control. I'm thinking there's more goals than this now. I mean, and it was so,
3: kind of um, what do they refer it to it was like sending yourself to Dignitas wasn't it when they when you send on <laughs> that target
4: I mean when you saw the the way that McGinn just sort of brushed him aside like just sort of wafted him aside for the third goal down in the wing and that was just like Lakaku did to him so that McGinn obviously knew where to strike at target for the last one
0: yeah but they did bring on Wilson and uh, Almiron before the second goal I mean eight minutes before and that's when you thought mm, actually watching Wilson for Bournemouth I Remember when Bournemouth beat us at Villa Park once, and and I I always remember he was good. And you know, I I always thought, well, I I wouldn't say no if we signed him, but that you know he had these injury issues. And then he passed us over, and you know he's a threat. And Elmeron coming back from injury, but he's their top scorer. So you thought, well, this may change the tide here. But I had faith in our defence to be up to anything, really, because I mean, our amount of clean sheets we've had. This is a proper proper unit. And to be honest with you, Elmeron did fuck all. I think he had one chance, didn't he? That he skewered.
3: Listen, I mean, I'm I'm happy to go. on. I'm no fan of Elmeron or Newcastle, so I'll say. It. I think he he's had a, a, a good part, good start to his season. But he's the kind of player they'll be looking to upgrade in the summer. <laughs> it's he, ruthless. He, he, he's crap. <laughs> he, he he had a, he scored a few goals and. <sighs> but Wilson, let, let's slag off Wilson first. Yeah,
0: do it. Wilson I mean, comes pro. on fifty fifth minute. <laughs> Callum Wilson touch count, how many touches did he have? Four. Ooh, four. Four. And Mm. this is a team that's 1-0 down when he came on and then they need to save this game and obviously they're, you know, meant to be a decent team, the top four... And they should be, uh, you know, ransacking us in those, trying to get that equaliser. He had four touches. All he did was try to be Mr. Billy Big Bollocks. He nudged uh, Martinez in the back when he was, you know, when Martinez had the ball, beat Wilson to it. And then he was just about to take a goal kick and he kind of nudged him as if he's like, you know, basically a little warning. And it's like, fuck off, you prick. And then Wilson's on the final exactly. whistle, basically Ming's body slammed him to the
3: ground, <laughs> and uh, it
0: was like, "Good on you, Ming's!" And the ref blew up for full time. It's like, "Oh,
4: good, that's great timing."
3: Stuffed yeah. a Claret and Blue rat into his little ratty mouth.
4: <laughs> Do you not notice that, that 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 attitude of Wilson's is the attitude that runs right through the Newcastle team? That yeah. clearly isn't. Now we're behind. talking, Phil. They all think that. It's like the world against us, the world against Newcastle. Everybody hates us because we're owned by a sovereign country that has a questionable human rights record, to put it mildly. (laughs) Questionable. But, I mean, they're they're all out there, and they're all so full of themselves. And, I mean, I have to give special mention to John Durant for his one-minute cameo (laughs) where he came on and he turned Sean Longstaff into Sean Shortstaff with
3: one tackle. Yeah, we sent on the Colombian branch of the cartel for the the, the assassination. (laughs) I like our cartel and that's and that's the first 10 minutes
0: she's, I, I I noticed this like physicality of the Newcastle team and you thought oh, these, these are going to be bastards. You understand actually where they've got from the summons, some of their parts because they haven't you know they obviously they spent dropped a bit shed load on Isaac but oh, they could bully teams I think. You know they're going to like spend let's say in the future but what Howe's done is has turned a team that can bully teams and what you saw though was the likes of louise and buendia and McGinn, not so much like bully boy tactics just ratty ratty tenacity and that really got got
3: out newcastle and newcastle suddenly didn't have the belly for the fight the professional dark arts of South American football, isn't it? We've seen that with Martinez. We see Luis is very good at it. You can ask Phil Shaw about the dark arts of Newcastle because he did a bit of
4: research into this. Yeah, and that's why I thought that this was going to be the hardest game out of Villa's running. Yeah. sure what I knew. Well, it is. Uh, statistically, It's uh, I think it's the third
0: joint hardest because going, obviously, they're away here, but playing Brentford on their patch was... Men to be statistically an even keel, and our hardest games were away against United and then away against Liverpool because obviously their home records are pretty good. But yeah, but that was that was a big thing, regardless of how you know Emery sets them out to play. And our efficiency with that, the fact that physically and in terms of tenacity, we match them more than match them. That was a big thing because we, we always used to say about Dean Smith's teams, they were like nice, like the manager. They couldn't stand up to a team, any bully boy team or anybody that was sick. we were quite short asses in our physical profile and we could get overpowered. But this team's got a bit more fight to it. And, I, you know, I love watching Buendia rat about. I mean, I yeah. was watching the women's game, the semi-final Villa Chelsea and the, uh, one of the uh, commentators was I think on, on about Jordan Nobbs saying she was a good ratter. She'd ratted about. She kept using this word ratting about. And actually, yeah, that does describe how Buendia runs around when he's off the ball. <laughs> Little ratter. <laughs> I mean, Watkins up another level. What is it now? 11 in the last 12 games. Southgate again watching. I mean, he's he's now added that bit to his game that was lacking and that was that I mean I always said I think I said on one of the previous shows I think when the last England squad was announced was uh, I have no problem with Watkins not being in the England team because if I'm watching England in the semi final Semi final or final, I, I don't want to be relying on Watkins to get that one chance that might win it for England or not. But now it's it's getting a bit different because he is evolving very fastly under uh, Emery, and he's he's he looks a specimen now as well. He's I mean he's somebody you can't get off. Uh, horrible player to play against if you're a centre back.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He always gets to the ball when you when you think it's a lost cause. He'll always get a shot in. So he's he's got that kind of pace over. Uh, like the final yard or something, which gets him there. He's also got the physicality to hold off centre backs and actually bully them as well in some respects.
3: And he's he's clever as well. He's not he's not with his physicality brutish, is he? He's just he's clever with it.
0: Yeah, and I think he's got cleverer just under the instruction definitely. of Emery. But I would say he's come June. He will definitely be back in the England squad, which is fine because Villa would have finished their season. And I think Mings has got to be in there, or else Southgate's blind. Yeah, or there's issues. Because Ming's, I mean, he rescued Moreno a couple of times. And he was always there mopping up. And, you know, some of of his blocks were fantastic. I mean, halved Martinez's workload uh, through the game there, because there was a couple that perhaps had no right to block. Uh, Speaking of, like, well, that's the ex-captain, but McGinn, there was a moment McGinn showed his captaincy when Ramsey was down injured. Then he got up after treatment and he had to leave the pitch to obviously re-enter play. And he was trotting off to, uh, as you're looking out from the halt, trotting out to the left-hand side. And McGinn said, no, 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 go the other side. Because that was his natural position, he was playing on the left. So when he re-enters play, he is back on and Villa maintain their shape. But if he goes off the end that he was going off, Ramsey, then he comes back and they've got two players, you know, he's standing on McGinn's side. So that was good captaincy, because some Villa players aren't that uh, most alert. I remember Cash, remember, when he went down injured once and rolled off the pitch instead of staying on the pitch to time waste. Yep. Anyway, but all all round, even little details like that, it was uh, spot on. Newcastle didn't have a chance to shit house because they were never really in the lead. We just blew them away and just the scope of the victory i just want to see now how it's it's villa imposing their way on other teams it's not like oh how are we going to deal with newcastle you know what provisions are we going to take to stop them we, we didn't even think about them i don't think i think we just we'll play our way and we'll just go through them so i'm interested to see how that uh, manifests when we go to old trafford and anfield right uh, anything else uh, about the game before we quickly move on no, I think you could talk about it all night. Right. Before we move on, big shout out to uh, the My All Men Said members, as per usual, with uh, special thanks for all the new people who have uh, signed up in the last week. First of all, uh, thank you to Stephen Kovacs, Stu Powell, Thomas Jansen Is it Avdel? I, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce the umlauts on the A's uh, in Norwegian. Brooks Bonner, Joe Meenham, Edward Leadham. Matthew Tange and also to the two chaps who have signed up uh, annual membership. If you sign up for an annual membership, you get a 10% off, which is uh, just over a month free. So thank you very much to Michael Beck and gazareth for uh, signing up as uh, an annual member there if you become a member you get ad free shows that's the first thing no more waiting for ads to play out or having ads interrupt your podcast pleasure also you get extra shows Uh, we actually i think put out a couple uh, on uh, the day before uh, the newcastle game so you get extra shows for supporting the podcast as well, plus membership of Match Club, and we will be uh, meeting up in Match Club for the uh, Brentford game. Match Club is our inner circle, and we don't just talk about Villa. There's other other little corridors of our little underground club, which lead to all kinds of things like Screen Club, Investo Club, Games Club. We've also set up a little... thread for our US friends or anybody who's going to uh, the US for Villa's uh, American tour which perhaps we should have mentioned in the Villa news the uh, US tour but uh, please do go to uh, myomansaid.com and click on the members link to get more details of becoming a member to help uh, support the show but also to get more of the myomansaid oh universe an ecosystem right uh, medium up time <laughs> Right, Phil, what's in the Medium Muppet trough this week?
4: Well, it's my favourite. It's, it's stats. And this was uh, a Mr. John McKenzie, who's a contributor to The Athletic and a host of the, the Tifo Football YouTube channel. Now, he thought it would be a good idea to do a video called our Villa really as good as everyone thinks? Yeah. I mean, people defend
0: t- titles like that. Well, that's what you've got to do. You've got to provoke people on titles. It's just the way of the media. Fair enough. But expect the expected. You're going to get grief straight
4: away for it. You can't cry about it if you if you get flack. But anyway, continue. Yeah, it's f- funny that he doesn't expect, since that was what he mentioned most in his video, expected this and expected that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I watched the video and the second half is actually a very good breakdown of Villa's double pivot, but it's not the second half that's the problem. The first half and the title, I mean, it's a bit condescending. I mean, it's as if the media are struggling to explain why Villa are suddenly good again and they're not prepared for it (laughs) at all. (laughs) The, the theme of it was how Villa are outperforming their underlying expected stats, which means they're scoring more than their XG and conceding less than their expected things against. And they somehow, instead of being celebrated as, oh, aren't Villa doing well because of this? It's, it's like, no, it's always turned into a negative. It's like, oh, they'll never keep this up. They can't keep this going. I mean, is this not the whole point of sport? Is this not what you're meant to do? You're meant to exceed expectations if you want to get anywhere.
0: I alluded to it earlier on when uh, I've seen Villa's expected goals at 1.8 for this game against Newcastle. And if you're going to tell me that, oh, you scored three, you've exceeded your XG, that's not going to continue. You got lucky there. Now, as somebody who was actually at the fucking game, I'm going to tell you to fuck right off because <laughs> i saw a team that could have scored six or seven so i don't understand why an xg would be so low and if there is a scientific explanation for it then fuck it because uh, I, i'm more interested from my interpretation of what i saw being at the actual game and that was a team that absolutely controlled that game and created many chances, hit the woodwork twice and, uh, had a VAR decision, which was pretty marginable, let's uh, admit. And a team that never was, uh, you know, out of control of that game, but to do, yeah. do
4: continue. But, um, Needless to say, as we've said before, with the title that he's chosen for this and sort of like the tone as well, I mean, he, he's received some online flack, but it's like a developing trend now on, on social media. Pe- people just are falling over themselves to defend people for doing this as well. I mean, it's if you're going to put out a video title like that you, you are going to get people's backs up because like for the reason we've just said people that have actually watched the games with their own eyes are suddenly they're feeling good with Villa and going oh isn't Emory doing well look at the look at the way we're easily doing this we're controlling these games everything's good and then somebody just comes out and goes are Villa really as good as everyone thinks it's it's obviously gonna it's it's just gonna kick off and it, you know, it's a
0: fair observation uh, when you look at some of the games and you think well you know if Leicester scored that free header if Chelsea had scored you know they had a hat full of chances then you can see that there is villa had a bit of luck along the way but you, you know if you wrote an article about that villa's looks going to run out if you use that headline then you, you know expect what you're going to get after that newcastle game though you, you wouldn't write such a fucking article because you can you can <laughs> see the evolution and now it's actually uh we're on you know we've hit the delivery date of where emery uh, wants to be and you've, you, you saw it with your own eyes and you went "Oh, okay wow but uh, before we move on it just reminded me on the build-up these Newcastle fan blogs or so the level, and and it happens every time. It's it's so petty. And Geordie's, are, I think Geordie's a great people. I don't, <laughs> but no, normally you know, as people, they're they're of the earth and uh, you know, big hearts and everything. But there's. They, they blogs, I don't know if they're like by people outside of Newcastle because they're whingy, whiny. They keep bringing up the banners that we had for them, winding them up, which, you know, we kind of did it as a joke. You know, we, we had nothing else going for us at the time, so we might as well jump on people getting relegated and helping them get relegated. what's raining inflatable dildos down <laughs> yeah. onto the pitch one year as well. <laughs> well. Exactly. And every time we play them, these blogs come out with ridiculous whiny posts and, you know, collecting anything negative that a Villa fan has said on social media to try to build this agenda... You know, accusing us of being knuckle-draggers and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, trying to create this perpetual rivalry. This doesn't exist. We just wound you up a few times. Deal with it. You got relegated. Deal with it. By the way, uh, Jack Grealish's goal in the dying embers of uh, Villa's game against Brighton, last day
4: <laughs> last day of the championship <laughs> season,
0: actually, <laughs> actually gifted uh, Newcastle the championship title. So we're not all bad, are we?
4: Anyway, any media nuggets? Just a small one. We were talking a few weeks ago about how Villa miss out in these gems that teams like Brighton and Brentford sort of scoop up with their scouting network. Um, But the New York Times have done a piece on Brighton's recruitment because they were playing Chelsea and half of Brighton's recruitment teams are now sitting on the Chelsea bench. Um, there's a line in it that shows what teams like Brighton and Brentford are maybe why they're beating Villa to the likes of these players so Sam Jewell Brighton's head of recruitment says I always say to players yes you've got Man City and Bayern Munich there but we will sell you to them anyway if you do well so that's the sort of line that Brighton are feeding young players so it's not like they're contract a ball and chain up Brighton like come to us do well and you'll get your big move I mean I can't see Villa that's not the attitude that Villa will be going to approach players with I don't think it should be either if you want to go where you want to go
0: All right so what you're saying is they you know Villa will say yeah we're going for Europe and then the players might go yeah I think I've got a better chance going to Chelsea or Manchester City while Brighton don't actually
4: uh, say that they're the ones that are going to take them to Europe yeah that's it. They're just they're just offering them a ste- they're offering them a stepping stone. Meanwhile, Villa want to be the the final destination. But
0: maybe Emery will be a feather in Villa's cap that actually uh, makes young players believe we're going to go and conquer Europe.
4: Speaking about Emery, David, what's in this clipboard this week? Ah, I'm glad you asked.
0: Emery's clipboard went missing last week, but it's back. I was going to do a uh, tilt again, but realize it's 100% tilted to the left-hand side because that's p- pretty much the only side of the pitch that Villa play down. So we'll do, uh, let's say, should we go passing accuracy of the team as a whole? You're still alive, Mr. Rogers? Very much so. Good. Right, I'm going to give you uh, the top Top and tails of the uh, the passing percentage table. Twentieth place and surely doomed, Nottingham Forest on seventy three point five percent. I will be asking for one decimal place. Top of the pile. Any guesses who it is? Answer Correct. With eighty nine point one percent average of the whole team Oof. across the whole season. That's like it's glued the ball. It sticks to their feet. So, with that said, first guess for Aston Villa.
3: Who's going first?
0: Dan, Dan can go first.
3: So you're looking for a percentage. Yeah,
0: because if he didn't go first, he would just go one, the either side or whatever <laughs> yeah. Phil said. So Pass. we have to force him out to go first.
3: <laughs> right, so this so is So we're going from
0: tricky. 89.1 Manchester City to 73.5 Forest.
3: <sighs> Passing accuracy.
0: 80. Oh, he's just rolled off a round number. Any Ooh. decimal pointage? You can just leave it at 80, but uh, you're allowed one decimal point. I'm not you're giving yourself a load of time, though, to look it up on Google. but
4: uh... <laughs> He's the Eddie High of Emery's clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: going to stick at 80.1. 80.1. Oh, he's gone 80.1. Right, Phil Shaw. I will go
0: 78.9. Let me just give you a stat. I'm going to allow you to pick a team, but uh, I'm going to give you a bonus stat just to give Rogers more time to uh, look it up on Google. (laughs) Villa, in the game against Newcastle, had six players with more than 80% pass accuracy. So we're improving in that department. Right, pick a team, Mm. Dan Rogers, and I will give you their pass percentage. Who do we resemble in Mm. in your mind's eye? Give me Spurs. Oh, good God. We're not Spursy, are we? (laughs) <laughs> uh, Spurs the team that we're going to overtake hopefully me and Phil worked it out on the uh, when we did a uh, show on My Man Said Members Extra show where we broke down everybody's run-in analysed it points per game and all that kind of shite and uh, came to the conclusion that we're going to take Spurs down and uh, that Bournemouth loss was a bonus so uh, we're very well placed now do you think we'll take Spurs down, Mister Rogers? Hope so, and Daniel leave you with it. Eighty-three point eight. Eighty-three point eight Spurs. Okay. Philip Shaw, Manchester United. <laughs> Delusions of grandeur. Eighty-one
3: point eight. We'll go for Dan's guess next. No, I'm. I'm thinking. <sighs> I went, I went 80.1 before, didn't I? Yeah. I'm going to go higher. What was Spurs? Spurs was... Spurs was... 83 or 84. 83.8. I'm going to go 81.1. I'm going to stick with my 0.1. 80 point, 81.1. Yeah, I've gone one higher. Hmm.
4: feel sure. I may go the other way now. I'll go 77.4. He's <laughs> not impressed. 77.4. Right, final... Guess of a club
0: or pick of a club. Give me Chelsea. Chelsea is eighty
4: five point three. What? It's Potter, a- Potter ball. <laughs> Phil Shaw. <laughs> Brighton.
0: Eighty five point
3: six. Final guess is I went eighty one point <sighs> one Chelsea. Eighty one point five. Eighty one point five Phil Shaw,
0: final guess. Can he do it? eighty three point nine fires 83.9 83.9 more than spurs Mm -hmm. going for it hail hail mary (laughs) attempt but way off the mark
3: (sighs) ah wildly throwing rats into the stand (laughs) painted white and blue in honor of the
0: top ratter was dan rogers he was so close Either, either side aston villas passing average for the season so far is 81.3 it was 0.1 away sorry 0.2 away so close incredible effort suggesting that he would have been googling away for the last five minutes i
3: wish i knew where you where these things stats exist
0: (laughs) in people's buttholes that's where they exist (laughs) right next up brentford
4: confident are you yes Hmm. Do you want to bet against us? Like, I haven't Oh, he's got the attitude <laughs> now. He's got the. <laughs> We've, I think that attitude is
0: crystallizing in the veins of Villa fans now. Do you They're want to bet team. against us? They're a bogey team. We don't care about any other teams now. Bogey teams, past records. Newcastle have slapped us about historically, but we absolutely decimated them. It's Brentford turn next. We will discuss that in more detail in something for the weekend when Chris Budd returns. But until then, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them.
3: Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the
1: TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.